you're afraid to speak in public, we're going to talk to Steve Rohr about how you can overcome that next. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Hello, you guys. Welcome to Book Circle Online. I am your host, James Lott Jr. You can follow me on all social media platforms in the whole entire universe at James Lott Jr. Yes, James Lott Jr. And I'm here today to talk about a book that I love. This book is so useful. Oh, oh so useful and so, and so good. <laughs> I have things in my ears. It's crazy. And it's so good. And uh, it's, just, it's, it's a great book called Scared Speechless. I'm holding it up for everybody so you can see it. And it's, it's nine ways to overcome your fears and captivate your audience, which is also very important. I do it every day. So my guest is a college professor, and he is also the show publicist for the Oscars. Yes, that big you know event that just happened. Yes, the Oscars. He holds an MA in communications from Arizona State. Among other things, he's also the author of this book, and I'm so well, co-author of this book. And I'm very excited to have him here, my friend Steve Rohr. Thank you. How do you like that? I think this was something that I need to live up to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Maybe I should just follow you around and introduce you to everybody, like, like all the time. So how are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm thrilled to be on this show. Thank you. You know that I, I stalk you on social media. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I'm not even kidding. I actually stalk you on and social media. And I'm on media. there all the time. You, you know, are. And I'm a huge stuff. fan. So I'm out, so honored to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. so much. Good. You're welcome. Well, we're going to have a good discussion because in all serious, I'll tell you before the show, this book, I'm going to hold up again and again to everybody, all the cameras. This book is so good. You and Shirley... Uh, now, pronounce your last name for me so I don't mess it up. Well, the trick is to pronounce it with an Italian accent, <laughs> and you can never get it wrong. <laughs> okay. So you can you can say impelazari or zari or, you know, as long as you sound a bit Italian, although she's Latina. So there you go. There you go, kids. We're in America. I like that. We're that, a melting that's pot. That's right. Uh, but she's a doctor, and you guys, I mean, and you're smart because you, you've gone to college. <laughs> so this is the, you, you should be listening to him and listening to her. Um so this book, I mean, how did, I mean, so are, were you scared speechless yourself? I was. I was a little nervous when I was a kid. I was a bit shy. Mm -hmm. And public speaking, of course, is the number one fear in America. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Death is second. There you go, kids. People are, are not all about the speaking. Yeah. And, you know, people get nervous. And we know that public speaking is something that can move us forward in life, mm -hmm. in our career. Mm -hmm. Research has shown that hiring managers love it yeah. when you can give a speech. Yeah. You can get promoted. You get fatter paychecks. You get a hotter date. Yep. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Right? But most of us are very, well, we're terrified to give any kind of speech. And these are not just, you know, those, those official kind of speeches. But these yeah. could be speaking at church. I agree. PTA, yeah. mm -hmm. a wedding, anniversary, retirement mm -hmm. party. Mm -hmm. And we're not always the first to volunteer because we think we're going to mess up. And, you're, and a lot of the lessons in this book actually can be applied to a lot of different things, actually, in life, I noticed. Like, like one of the things... Like, now, we're not going to go over every single nine things. I thought we were, no, and that's what the book. promised. Oh, no, that's right. Buy the, book. That, buy the book. That's right. We're going to go maybe two or three or four or five, but not all nine. Well, here's what I'm most proud of the book. There isn't really a book out there that covers both the psychology, right. the why we're terrified of speaking, with the how-to. And a lot of the books on the market now, they're fine books, but they're not written by people who have academic d degrees yeah, yeah. or have taught this stuff. Those academic people, well, they write textbooks. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the books on the market are written by business folks and right. those who give speeches. Mm -hmm. 
So this is the first time that you have the psychology and the how-to brought together. And you're going to hear and read things in this book that you've never been taught before. What I love about about that, because I'll piggyback on that, is that the psychology kind of demystifies the whole being, you know, the whole speaking. Oh, absolutely. We just think it's our fault. We think because we can't get up in front of a bunch of strangers, somehow that is our fault and nothing can be further from the truth because it is a natural thing. Nerves are good. You talk about that in the book. Nerves are good, and that really surprises people, but it's absolutely true. You know, we have Mm -hmm. this miraculous brain, Mm -hmm. but part of it we call the primitive brain, Mm -hmm. and that has not evolved for, give or take, 300 million years. And this is our natural defense department in our body. Yeah. So when we encounter fear, we go into fight or flight. Yes, that's very like true. Fight or get the yes. heck out of here. Yes. Right? But then our thinking part of our brain goes offline. So when we're standing in front of people, we want to fight them or get away, but yes. we're not thinking. Yeah. But as soon as you understand this is a natural thing and it's good, it's good because, you know, it prevents us from going and, and having a picnic out on the five. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. No, right. Yeah, it, right. It, right. It prevents us from walking yeah. into a dark alley. Right. But here's the thing about the primitive brain. For the primitive brain, fear is one size fits all. In other words, it cannot tell the difference between walking into a dark alley and standing in front of a group of strangers Mm -hmm. to give a speech. Mm -hmm. It cannot tell the difference. I believe it. So when we're in front of people and we start noticing, we're getting nervous, we're getting nervous, first accept it, Mm -hmm. say this is good, because if I didn't have this I'd be dead. Yes, that's true, yes. And then as you start noticing how your body's changing, the thinking part of our brain comes back online. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to have happen. Right. So it's the awareness is the big yeah. piece here to take away. Well, you say in, in your book, on page 24, I feel like Oprah, on page 24, you talk about making nice with your nerves um, and kind of relating it to making, it's time to make nice, and you wrote this in here, and I love this, with nature. Like the whole nerves, nature, like I see a correlation with that. I mean... That's what, I think it's really cool. Make nice with them. So to yeah, speak. make nice with them. You, you can't them. fight them. There are right. some resources out there that say you can actually get rid of your nerves. You do not want to get rid of your nerves. Mm-hmm. You want to be nervous. And when people say, I'm nervous, I say, well, that's great. Yeah. That means you're ready to go. The other piece to that, of course, is you means you care. Mm-hmm. Like if you're not nervous, that means you really don't mm-hmm. care what happens. Right. So this is important to you. Mm-hmm. And that's where you need to be. In your headspace. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I like that because that's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing, right, is that people immediately go to just nerves. And yeah. I mean, there's other components that we're going to talk yeah. about that, of course, but that's the first line of, I won't say defense. I could never do that because I used to be too nervous. Well, yes, but we're but like, also not preparing right. properly. Yeah. And I always say you need to stretch out. Yes. You need to warm up your body. And it's akin to being an athlete and stepping out onto the field or the track and not stretching out and warming up. You would mm-hmm. never do that, and you wouldn't do it because you would injure yourself. Right. Now, you can't sprain your tongue, let's say, <laughs> but the body is going to respond as in, in the same way that, yeah. that a fight or flight. So if you tell the body something's going to happen, and we know your shoulders tense up, right? Yeah. So if you already said to your body, guess what? Something is going to happen. Yeah. Then you, you're prepared for right. it. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. Because that's a good point. Because also, um, we talk about this. This happens. I mean, I've done it, of course, on, not very often. But I've done it. 
The brain fart. Ah, yes. The brain well, fart. That's the technical term. Yes. That is, <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very medical term we were talking about. Yeah, um, that, that's when suddenly yes. you cannot remember what you're talking about. Yes, exactly. And, and I know you're talking about recouping from it, which is that's a, that's a great one. It's well, a, great, a great tip. It is, it is a, a terrifying thing, right? And that's what people are scared of, you know, of, mm-hmm. of embarrassing themselves mm-hmm. out in public. And so when I'm teaching, I always tell the students from day one, if you have a brain fart, you will not lose any points. Mm-hmm. You will not lose any points. And they say, well, but I can't remember what I'm doing. Well, okay, that's life. That's life. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I say, you don't, please don't give a perfect speech. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a perfect There's speech. There's no perfection. Well, we, we want an authentic speech. So if right. you have a brain fart, that's life. Yeah. The only time you're going to lose points in my class when you have a brain fart is if you walk out of the room. So you can sing, you can do a little jig, you can knit an afghan. I don't care as long as you don't walk out of the room. Yeah. And this gives people permission to relax. And chances are people won't have brain farts because they know that, well, what's going to happen? Nothing. If you always ask me, uh, we do intros on our shows, stuff like that's the hardest part. It's the intro. I'm like, not really. But I also know that if I chip up a word or whatever, just play it off. It's fine. It's life, life goes on. It's, it's life. You just go on. It's absolute life. But then in the book, we talk about a way to recover from a yes, brain you fart. Do. And can you reveal a little bit about that? Because I will say we can reveal. I like that. I like that. Well, it's really. it does happen on occasion. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, you go back to the last thing you you remember saying. Okay. And then you formulate a question around it. When we ask a question, we automatically go into an answer mode, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So now the pressure is off the speaker and onto the audience. And the audience is now thinking about this answer, Mm -hmm. whether it's a rhetorical question or a real question. Uh, And this will allow the speaker to gather their thoughts and come back online. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to have to try that one day. I like that. But don't walk out of the room. You don't walk out of the room. Yeah. Should you ever apologize? Never. As I always say, I believe that. Don't ever Never apologize, apologize. Right? Never no. apologize. People don't know you're, you're having a brain fart. Unless they've written your speech for you and practiced with you, they have no idea if this is a dramatic pause or you're having a bit of a crisis. But we assume. Everybody we knows. assume everybody, everybody knows, knows what's going yeah, on. Yeah, right. Everybody assumes yeah. that, oh my gosh, they know that I'm having a, a yeah. meltdown here. Right. I like that. No, I, I was taught that in the media training. Like you never apologize. You never come and apologize. Right. You never apologize. People, some people do is they think it's um, really going to help them or help their case. But I always find, in my experience, it makes you look less intelligent or sure. less of an expert. Well, also, you know, when people come up and say, well, I'm not a great speaker. Oh, oh, yes. You know, this is what we call self-directed speech. It is self-talk. And research, researchers will tell you that when we talk to ourselves, because we all talk to ourselves all yes, day long, oh, I hear my voice right? all the time. we're teaching ourselves things. Yeah. Uh, also, talking to yourself improves short-term memory, by the way. So the next time you leave your keys lying around someplace, yeah. you can't find it. If you say, keys, 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 you're more likely to find them faster. No. Well, okay, so my talking to myself is fine then. That's right. Talking okay. to yourself is fantastic. But most of the time when we talk to ourselves, we're saying really unpleasant things. We are telling ourselves things and teaching ourselves things that we would never say to our worst enemy. That's true. So women are notorious for this, right? Yes. How many times a day do they say, I look fat, I look fat, I look fat? Yes. And guys will say, I'm an idiot, I'm an idiot, yes. I'm an idiot. And so you're teaching yourself that. 
And one thing when it comes to public speaking or getting up and, and talking in front of others, you really don't need to be telling yourself those kinds of things. No. So you need to stop it. God, I love that. Oh, my God, I love it. How do you think you stop it, James? Just don't say it. Yes, exactly. Harder. Like, literally, just don't say it. No, it's hard yeah, to do. Yeah, it's hard to do. But yeah. here's, here's the, the trick. I think that if, if you just do it one day mm-hmm. at one time, so tomorrow, as you're going through your day and you feel something coming out of your mouth that's negative, catch it mm-hmm. and stop it. Just one day and one time. You can curse yourself out for the rest of the day. Yeah, that's fine. Okay? Yeah. What it is. But it's awareness. And so you have to feel feel your body, feel what's going on, mm-hmm. and I bet you feel like you're in control. Well, you know, I'm a professional organizer in my other life, life coach in my other life. Um, and I always tell my clients that, you know, any step is, is a good step. And awareness actually frees you. Absolutely. Isn't that true? Yeah. It like, totally frees you. Yeah. Once you're aware of something, people are afraid. People are people are afraid to learn about themselves a lot of times. That's the hardest thing to do is to look within yourself. Well, because it's impossible to unring that bell. Yes. So every time you're about to say something, you know better. Mm-hmm. You know better. Mm-hmm. And you know how to control it, and you know how to stop it, mm-hmm. and you can turn it around. So there are no excuses anymore. I totally agree with you that. And, I, and the habit takes sometimes, you know, 90 days. Some say 90 days. Some say seven times. You know, whatever, the, whatever it is for you. Right. But you do, like you say, you do it enough, you'll start, to, you'll start to get it. Show up for yourself. That's part of mm. what we're talking about here is step into the fear yes. and show up for yourself. Understand that we are programmed to panic, that we need to make nice with our nerves, right? Like that. And we need to expect the expected. So when people get nervous, they'll say, well, my face turns beet red. And we've already said, look, you know, sh- okay, people can't, people can't tell, really. Right. Or your mouth gets dry or your palms get sweaty. And I ask people, well, how often does that happen when you get nervous? They said, well, all the time. So every time you get nervous, your palms sweat. Yes. So why are you always shocked when it happens? Mm, exactly. Good why does that somehow freeze you? into paralysis so that you can no longer do anything afterwards. So you you must expect the expected. Mm -hmm. We all get nervous, which is good. When I get nervous, things happen physiologically, and I will say, of course. You do, yeah. Of course. And that's what it is. Um, I I did my first, uh, I have a radio show, my first radio show I did a year or so ago. I was a little nervous, of course. I was like, this is, this is radio. Oh, my God, it's crazy. I said so 9,000 times. <laughs> so, so, can we talk about, we talk about also fill, killer, killer fillers, you call them, yes. certain words. I'm leading into that. And it's just, it's crazy. It's just completely, it's completely like, it's just, I was saying so, so much because I was nervous. Well, yes, and we go back to our standbys. And we go back to words that, we use frequently throughout the day and with conversations. So there are several that that I have a problem with. One is I mean. A lot of people start out sentences mm-hmm. with I mean. Yes, I And mean. I mean is meant to clarify something that you've already said. But if you hear people in interviews, they'll be asked, well, did you have a good time doing that movie? And they'll say, I mean, yes. did I miss half the interview? And it really yes. sets people apart yes. because it's, it's using it incorrectly. Yeah. 
There are other things, believe me. There's the ums, the ums factor. Yes, the ums. But you can stop yourself, and here's how yeah. you do it. You do it in real life. You stop yourself in real life, and you, you listen to yourself, and you listen to others, and you make the correction in real life. Because by the time you get to this table in front of thousands of people, mm. you need to have that as a habit of not doing something or doing something. Wow. So do it in your real life. Listen to yeah. how you really speak. It's like, um, like, so, and. I mean. I mean. One, one was one of the girls recently, I was producing something. Her thing was, uh, she said over and over again, like, and later on, and later on. We'll talk about this later on. It's like, well, just not, let's, we'll just get Well, the there. show's almost over. Right, so like, we'll just get We're there. either going to get to right, it or not. We'll get to it later right. on. Yeah. We had a good laugh over that one kind of later when I talked to her about it. It's like, that was her, that was her filler, killer well, filler. Well, we all have habits. Yeah. Yeah. So... If we are going to speak in public, if we're going to be up in front of other people and we want to be better at it, then we have to correct our own language throughout the day mm. to make that happen. Yeah. Um, you also talk about uh, in the book, knowing your audience. I say it all the time. Yes. Speak your language, know your audience. This advice, I think, can go to interviews, you can go to you know meetings, I mean, but for speaking, let's talk about it's that. It's critical. If you look at how marketers market their wares, they will do a ton of research on demographics. Yes. So demographics could be gender. It could be gender identification even. It could be uh, military. So you're looking for who is the person, the consumer who's going to buy this product. And we have to speak their language and we have to direct our message towards these people. It's the what's in it for them. So if I'm speaking it for myself, it's what's in it for me. Right? right? So am I going to become wealthier? So it's, am I putting money into the wallet or taking money out of the wallet? Am I going to be healthier? Am I going to find love? So you go to the magazine rack and you see a lot of the, the ladies' magazines will say, 12 signs he's cheating on you. Yes. Oh, yes. And of course, what's in it for them? Well, they get to find out if perhaps he's cheating on them, right? right? And even the guys' magazines, three you know, three steps to losing, you know, yes. weight or yes. gaining abs or doing mm -hmm. something, right? What's in it for me? It can't just be about you. Right. And that actually helps psychologically that it's really about them. What's in it for them? Mm -hmm. And if you do not address what's in it for them, they will tune out. Mm -hmm. They yes, will tune out. I agree with that. What's in it for me? Right. And we'll also know, and just language in general, knowing who, like you talk about that a little bit too, but just like when you, in front of an audience of people who are foodies, you don't talk about cars. Like, you know, it's almost, right, like, almost exactly. that ridiculous kind of. But, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. If you use analogies, then you use something that people are going to relate to. It's going to resonate with them. It's mm. very important. Yes. You got to know what's going on. Or you're speaking to a group of church-going folk, you know, you don't say things are hedonistic, you know, so to speak. You, you exactly. Just kinda, you just kind of, you cater your speech to kind of know. That's right. To you know, keep them listening. That's what you're, right. you're talking about. Just That's now. absolutely right. Keep them listening. I think, do people make that mistake a lot of times when they just, they just don't know their audience? And well, that's why I think they're don't so, go well. I think they're very focused on themselves. And we think, again, that public speaking is about this person here. It's yeah. really not. It's a conversation, if anything. But if we just focus on ourselves, then that's a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. right? But if you're speaking to people, you're talking to people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're answering their questions, you're trying to fill a need in their life or solution to their problem, then it becomes about them. Mm -hmm. And this takes a lot of pressure off of a speaker. Mm, yeah, okay. 
And, you know, here's the other thing is that the audience is not your enemy. The audience is not there your you adversary. Go. There you go. Yeah. And a lot of people believe that, oh, my gosh, they're going to eat me alive. They're going to eat me alive out there. Why do we think that? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that we go into a room and we think, well, they're, they're my enemy? Well you, talk, well, you talk about, well, you talk about this in the book, several things in the book about, you know, uh, you had this thing about podiums and stuff and how we, yeah. sometimes we have that to really be yes. a barrier. Yeah. Again, feeding into the very yeah. them versus yeah. us. I don't know. I guess I, for me, I was always kind of taught, yeah, that uh, it was completely like, you know, oh, my God, if I mess up, they're going to they're gonna get me. Or they're looking to find something That's wrong right. with me. That's or right. Or they're looking for me to make a mistake. And I always say, the reason you think they're going to judge you is because you judge people all day long. Ah, right? That's okay, yes. But they, they will judge you, but not the way we yeah. think they're going to judge yeah. you. And here's how we know this is true. If you've ever seen a speaker get up and have a brain fart, yeah. they're coasting along, they're doing great, yeah. and suddenly... <laughs> and what does the audience do? What do you do in the audience? Right. James, what do you do? This is a lot of times I may start to laugh, just kind of look at them and say, okay, well. Is it very comfortable for you? Yeah. It's, it's, it becomes very stressful. Yeah. And the audience will start leaning forward in their chair trying to fill in the blanks. Yes. Blue. Yes. Hyena. You know, yes. they, they don't want you to fail. They're rooting for you. Mm -hmm. They're your champion. And the other reason we know that the audience is not your enemy is because we're selfish. We want to be entertained. Oh, we don't want to be bored. Yes. When yes. is the last time you walked into a room thinking, gosh, I hope this speaker's terrible. <laughs> I really need to <laughs> give away three hours of my life that right. I'll never right. see again. Right. Right? Because we do come there for a reason. Of course we do. And we want to be entertained. Yes. So we know the audience is hoping against hope that you will be entertaining. That's and true. they will walk into the speech with that mindset. So it's, it's I like good. That. That's true. Um, you also talk about, <laughs> this is kind of funny, flirting with the audience, not in a creepy way. <laughs> I think I do that sometimes. You know, well, I like that. I like that. So you're a big flirt. You're I a am. big flirt, James. <laughs> you know, people like to be engaged. They like confidence. What is sexier than confidence? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Very sexy. And they want to like you. You have to be likable. Yes. You really have to be likable. Unless you're giving them, like, wads of cash, you need to be likable, right? That's right. And I love you. And so yes. how do you flirt? We flirt all day long. It's not just romantic flirting, no, but you're flirting with people all day long. You're, you're flirting, you know, when you're ordering a cheeseburger through mm -hmm. the drive-thru. You're, mm -hmm. you're engaging. Mm -hmm. You're being playful. Yes. And that's what the audience responds to. They do not want a robotic speaker. No, They want somebody all. who not at all. Is, is there with them yeah. and engaged with their feelings and engaged with them as a human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. And it's funny because about flirting, I always tell people, I flirt with grandmas and grandfathers. Be, oh, we just, we have a good, it doesn't matter who it is. I have a good time because it makes the day go better and kind of just makes it fun. Well, it brings new energy. Yeah. A different kind of energy and a new energy into a room. Yeah. If you're just relaxed and having a good time. Mm -hmm. Really, that's what it's about. Because I guess you really can't, you can't lie when you're doing a speech, can you? You can, can, but it's very hard okay, to mask yeah. it. Okay, and yeah. the reason it's very difficult to mask it is because 93% of the emotional impact of a message is nonverbal. Mm. So your body will not lie. Your body will portray you mm -hmm. from your eyes yeah. to your legs, shoulders. to your hands, shoulders, your yeah. body. Yeah. 
you know, your body will betray you. And this is one thing that you learn as, as you're becoming a more advanced speaker is what, how you allow your body to do your bidding mm. instead of the other way around. Mm. Make your body work for you, right? Mm. And being aware, and that's the, the body-mind connection, that's part of the reason we stretch out, to say, we're together in this. We're together in this. I like that. I, I, like, that. I like that a lot. Um, oh, I was going to go read, I was going to read something from page 79. Tell me, go 79, let me read something to you that I liked very much. Okay, let's go and do it. Um, it's, it's kind of funny, because they talked about, you talk about on this page, um, a guy who named uh, Arjun, I don't think his name is correct, uh, was engaging his audience by kind of telling a joke. And so I just kind of, I want to add, you guys read the book for the actual, the, the, the short story, but my question is, how well are jokes kind of fit into, a, a, how well are they really with a speech? I and, love humor. I think that humor can fit into almost any kind of speech, even a eulogy, especially a eulogy. Yeah. Because it is such a hard time for people, and it allows people to breathe a little bit, and it puts people at ease and disarms people. So I, I think humor is, is critical, especially if that's part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. That story about Arun is about an accent that he had, a non-standard yeah. English yeah. accent. Yeah. And he came to us and he said, you know what, I'm going to Birmingham, Alabama, and I have this East Indian accent, mm -hmm. and I'm concerned about it because yeah. I, don't, I don't sound like you, right. right? I said, that's fantastic because that's your superpower. That's your superpower. A lot of the things that we think are going to hold us back are actually those things that lift us up and make us unique and compelling and interesting mm. and authentic speakers. Right. So Arun went to Birmingham, and the first thing that he said is, well, obviously, you can tell from my accent that I was born and raised right here in yeah, Birmingham yeah. I, I with his that. East Indian yeah, accent. I love that. And there was a pause, and then the audience got it. And they could relax. Yeah. It's like if he walked in the room and his hair was on fire. Yeah, you've been saying the book. Yeah, right? So too, yeah. You got to get past the fire. Yeah. But he said, hey, my hair's on fire. <laughs> yes. In a matter of speaking. Right. And they relaxed and got into it. And then later on in the speech, he talked about ordering room service and something really yes. <laughs> crazy happening when he was in New York. Yeah. Something strange showing up from room service. And the people in that audience could relate to it because a few of them had had instances where sure. their southern accent yeah. maybe did not translate yeah. you know, to a room service yeah, yeah. person. Yeah. So they were able to connect on that mm -hmm. immediately. So it was Arun's superpower. Mm -hmm. And so you see people who are maybe bigger or taller or smaller own it yeah. because people will respond to that just being comfortable and confident and say, here I am, here I am. Yeah. I guess the big thing is people come to you looking, you're the expert, so to speak, in any situation. If you're the one speaking and standing in front That's of them. That's exactly right. You're the expert. You're the so expert. They're coming to listen to you. That's right. And you have a captive audience. Right. So. They're right. But they're, but they're looking to you. Like I said, they're on your side. They're coming to you for a reason. That's Some right. Some have paid money. That's right. Or time, took time That's out. That's right. To come to you to speak. So you're good. Yeah. If you know your stuff. Yeah. And give them permission to like you. Give them permission to hear you. Okay. You know? So that's one of the reasons why you call attention to things that are very obvious, like physical things that are very obvious. And 
you incorporate that into your message, and it becomes very authentic and powerful that way. When we pretend to be somebody else as a speaker, that's really deadly. Yeah. That's very deadly. That's funny. I had to. I had a really close friend of mine die last summer, and they asked me to do her um, to kind of MC the event. Mm-hmm. She was unconventional, so it was in San Francisco, and we went to a hill. Patrol Hills, an area in San Francisco. And we were at a hill, and everybody brought blankets, and people sat mm-hmm. down and everything. And we had a little table with some stuff for her. And in San Francisco, if you don't know the weather there, uh, it's not sunny in the summer. It's uh, foggy and windy and everything. But that day, it was beautiful. I say it was her, of course. Her name was Laurel. And uh, in the middle of my emceeing, and I was kind of talking kind of serious and saying some just kind of, hello, everybody, welcome, you came, and blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, a big gust of wind came out of nowhere and knocked everything off the table. And everybody kind of was like looking, and they were looking to me again, being the speaker, for my cue, I right. guess, to kind of like how should we kind of act. And I said, okay, Laurel, I hear you. And everybody started laughing. Of course. That's fantastic. That's exactly what That's you funny. should do. And it allows people to breathe out and it allows mm-hmm. people to be human in that moment. And it allows people to celebrate Laurel mm-hmm. and to say... Yeah, she would have done that. Exactly. That's what I say, exactly. And the audience then bonds and connects yeah. in a very unique and interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that was one of my, one of my, one of my tricks, I think. It was kind of fun. I, was like, I, remember, I remember that from some classes. I took some media training. But, it, but, there, you, but. Don't, you weren't afraid to say that. It just no. sort of came out of your mouth. It did. And that's, that's authentic. That's truth, right? right? Yeah. So when you have a perfect speech and you have not taken into account that something might happen that is not choreographed, mm-hmm. Then either you skip through it or you get stuck someplace. But for you, you spoke from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know Laurel, yeah. right? You yeah. knew what she would do. And you also knew your audience knew very, audience. very well. Yeah, I knew them. I knew them. You knew them. Mm-hmm. And you intuitively knew that that joke would work for them. Yeah. And it did. Yeah. Marvelously. That was beautiful. That's what we did. It was great. It was great. But I just, I just, I love that your book really breaks that stuff down. Again, demystifies all the different, and you, you bring it out. You bring all the different fears and things. Because I've learned as I've gotten older, there is no perfection, obviously. I hope not. There isn't. It I hope not. It just isn't. Well, you need an accident. You need something that has life, you know, be alive in the moment. Mm-hmm. And that is where people really start to engage with a speaker when they know they're seeing something that will only last for a few minutes at this one place and this one time and then it becomes something magical and special where did the whole thing about look at people think they're they're naked come from imagine everybody naked or without pants on like yeah. what's, what's that about? It's it, you know that's one of the things we talk about in the book yes. because it's gross. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want. To, I, I, I don't understand why you would do that. Number right. one, I don't want to see a lot of folks naked <laughs> or in their underwear. To be honest with you, <laughs> Me and it somehow distances you from your audience. Yeah, there's a weird power thing that's happening there, and you want to feel better about yourself. But every time we put somebody else down, right? It hurts everybody. I agree. I and totally then you agree with cannot that. connect yeah. with other people. Mm-hmm. The other one that we love is, you know, look above them. Oh, yeah, I've heard that too. Right? Mm-hmm. And what I say is, okay, you try that. You try that through mm-hmm. your real life. You go to people in your family or your friends and you just say, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Hey, James, good to see you. And just look above people mm-hmm. and see what their reaction would be. Mm-hmm. You haven't engaged with them yeah. and it's weird. And you really need to connect. Mm-hmm. 
you really need to connect with that audience. And it can be scary because they're looking at us. Right. But you will be surprised. There will be people who will be that friendly face for you mm-hmm. and respond to you. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more fun to be engaged when you're giving a speech than not. I like being present in anything anyway, so I, I always feel like we do that a speech. That shocks me, James. I know, being, being, being present, that's crazy talk. But I always, I always think that you want to be present in your speech because you want to feel what their reaction is to you, kind of, don't that's you? That's right. That's right. The one thing that you need to be careful about when you're giving a speech is to read too carefully into those little micro expressions and those little things that might throw you off. So if you see somebody yawn, you think, oh, they hate uh, me, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Or if yeah. you see somebody just sort of sitting like uh, that, you think, my gosh, they're not really enjoying this very much. But you have to remember that they're also living their life. And so they could have come from, I don't know, the library after staying up all night long studying, and now they're tired, but they really want to be there to hear yes, you. Yes, Right? So that smiling woman in the front row, she's been smiling and she's been getting you through for a few minutes, yes. and then she gets up and she walks out, you think, wow, maybe I have done something wrong. But you don't know that that smiling woman doesn't have allergies. And she was afraid that she would sneeze through your speech. Yes. So she went yes. to the back, but she's still listening outside right. the door. Right. And then you have that couple that comes in, and he's looking sort of lost and dazed and confused, and she's really upset. And they sit down in the back, and there's a big problem, and you think, my gosh, they hate me. But a few minutes earlier in the car, he gets a text from his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Right? Right. And she found out, and now there's big trouble. Yeah. And unless you as a speaker are the ex-girlfriend, it has nothing to do with you. Yeah, that's true. Right? It has nothing to do with you. But we read into it, and we think, oh, my gosh. But if you understand the demographic, and you're giving people what they need or want, you're responding to that what's in it for me, if you're really hitting that, you'll be good. You'll be good. You'll be just fine. Now, you guys, in this book list towards the end of the book list all these speeches you guys really enjoyed or think are or you think that are great speeches um and i mean some of them i was like okay and i haven't learned i mean so have you heard every speech that's been in here or you just you heard most of them or, sure yeah because i was like there's some of them that i've heard a few of them i've heard dr my angelou the I've, I've heard some of hers ellen degeneres you picked one of hers from tulane oh university. yes from tulane university she's and fantastic I, and if you go listen to Ellen, speak to Tulane, I think it was 2009. Yeah, it was 2009. And she connects with the audience, and you understand, she under, she knows who the demographic is. It's not the parents. It's not the faculty. It's the kids. It's the students. And the way she builds her narrative is, is really, really powerful. And she's wow. genuine. She's herself. Wow. Right. The other one that I love is Viola Davis. I was going to say that. Was for the Emmy win. If yes. you go listen to that again, you'll note that she really does what every speech is supposed to have a beginning, a middle, okay. and an end. Okay. And she also does something really wonderful, and we call it an attention getter. Okay. She doesn't start out with the obvious. She doesn't say, I'm here to thank everybody for this Emmy, because that's like delivering the punchline before you deliver the joke. Mm, okay. Okay. She starts out with a beautiful quote from Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. yes, one yes. that maybe we're not familiar with. Yeah. And then, oh, what's going on here? This is interesting. Yes. And you know, the girl can act. Oh, but we know okay? that, of course. Yeah, we so know she can interpret some lines, <laughs> all right? We know this, right? Yes, So yes. suddenly everybody is glued into yeah. what is happening here. That is her attention getter. And then she talks about women and opportunities in Hollywood. And she brings it around. And at the very end, she goes full circle. And she brings up Tubman again. Yeah. 
and you have the most polished, beautiful, authentic speech ever. I agree. Beginning, middle, and end. It's, it's about a minute long, mm-hmm. if anything. Yet, she was praised for this. Why? Because she did it. it was she good, did it, it right. Speech. You also mentioned my girl, Dixie Carter. Dixie Carter. Salvation Army, Evangeline yes. Booth Award, 2007. Yes. So, Dixie Carter... Was well was, known for... Was well known, and she was my client for many years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my, my God. My other life, I'm also a publicist. Yes. So, I, I was very privileged I'm to sure. represent Dixie Carter. Oh, my God, I'm sure. And she worked very diligently for the Salvation Army. And they're fine organization, fine organization. And she received the Evangeline Booth Award in Dallas. So I flew to Dallas with Dixie oh my God. and heard her speak. And she did it. Yeah. She did it. Just yeah. a beautiful, authentic yeah. thank you. A very yeah. southern thank you. Yeah. And uh, she's a classy lady. She was a classy lady. I mean, she rest in peace. Well, I'm yes. sure. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we all have heard about you know her days of designing women and how she fought and fought for good things. Well, and, you know, and she's 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 an authentic person. Yeah. And she yeah. she wanted to be better. She wanted to be true to people. You know, and I've never really told this story, but you know, she had this this beautiful funeral out in the country in Tennessee, and this. Uh, little church and folks from New York came in and people from Hollywood came in all the girls from Designing oh, Women yeah, okay. and her sorority sisters were there oh wow right and not one person mentioned anything about her being famous mm-hmm. not one person or being an actor mm-hmm. not one person they said that she didn't put on airs they said things like she saw me and she heard me because she was able to make that Connection. She had yeah. extraordinary charisma. Extraordinary charisma. Wow. That to me is the biggest compliment, isn't it? The well, biggest compliment that you they, they talk about you as a person. That's right. Even though you've had success that's beyond right. belief that's right. in the material world, you've had all the success. If people can say that you're a nice person or authentic, I think that's just the best compliment it, on it earth. It really was a life changing moment for me. And I had already known that Dixie was a sweet lovely person who was kind to everybody mm-hmm. everybody doesn't matter who you are where you come from she was mm-hmm. just very genuine and uh, sweet and funny oh she was funny I'm sure, no, I'm sure. She, was really she, I'm funny. sure she had a wit on her she was really funny but what you got from that is you can live a life you can be very successful and you can keep your humanity that's what I want that's what I'm trying that's what I'm going to do. I think you're well on your way, James <laughs> Lott Jr. I, I don't want to lose myself in this industry. I think that that will never happen for you because I think, again, it's the awareness of it. Yeah. And it's the intention of it. And you're just full of life. Yeah. And you're talking to people and you flirt with everybody. <laughs> that's, that's a very unselfish kind yeah. of way to navigate life. Yeah. So I think that I think you're going to be just fine. You, you, you got your lips to God's ears, right? Um, so this book, how did you and Shirley get together? Well, how did we become each other's orbits? How did that happen? Well, you know, we had a radio show for two and a half yes, years, yes. and we talked about psychology, and psychology at the intersection of real life, mm-hmm. where psychology really hits us in a daily way. And we had a show about public speaking, mm, okay. and she started bringing up these really interesting <laughs> things that I had never thought of, oh, wow. and I never knew, and I have been speaking for years. Yeah, yeah. 
mainly to myself. But <laughs> that's fine, as we discussed. It's totally I'm, fine. I'm, I'm all good. It's I'm totally fine. I'm good. Right? Researchers have shown that it's yeah. fine that I talk to myself. Yes. But she was really identifying things that I thought would be helpful, and I started incorporating some of the psychology into my classes mm, and why okay. I w- would coach people. Yeah. And we got a lot of good feedback on that oh, show. Good. And oh, they said, good. you should write a book. And we said, we're not going to write a show. We're not going to write a book. It's time to write a book. And, yeah. you know, who's going to give us a book deal anyway? So, uh, uh, folks, you got a book deal because here's a book. It, it was, it's, it's pretty, it, it it's did work. pretty remarkable. Yeah. And I think it because it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. And I hope that it's very accessible for people. It is. I hope that people can get into it and say, this is for me. And this person is not talking down to me. Mm-hmm. And this person understands I'm terrified out of my freaking mind. Mm-hmm. And this person is going to help me build my skills and allow me to to be the best that I can possibly be and reach my potential. This book, I'm, I'm endorsing it. This book does not, you do not talk down to people. I don't want to use the word layman's terms or anything, but it's, it's very, very accessible and easy to read. And you also give people permission from many of their behaviors. That's right. Associated with public speaking. Well, here's the thing. When we wrote the book, we wanted it to be accessible because that's how I believe that speeches should be written. We say that speeches should be written to be said, not to be read. Mm. And that's that's why English majors have some problems writing speeches sometimes because they want, you know, complete sentences. Uh, and they will avoid okay, jargon, and they'll okay, use big, fancy okay, words. Yeah, okay. And if you've ever heard a speech that you thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know, I, I need to gnaw off my arm to get out of here, Yeah. chances are very good that it was written as an essay. Oh, how funny. It was written to be read, not to be said. Mm-hmm. So we're very careful about that. On top of that, you look at how people practice their speeches. Mm-hmm. Most people spend 99% of their time writing their speech and 1% or less oh, how funny. practicing it. Yeah. So when they don't do a great job, they say, well, I'm a terrible speaker. No, it's because you didn't practice, practice enough. So one of the ways that you can practice by accident is to write your speech out loud. Ooh, okay. So as okay. you're going along and you're formulating your speech, try out different ways of saying something. Interesting. And if you have to take three or four breaths in a sentence, you better shorten that sentence. If you okay. cannot pronounce that word, okay, uh, change the word. Change the word, or look it up and figure yeah. out how to pronounce yeah. it, because that's going to be a stumbling block for you. Many people get up and say, "Well, I know I'm going to mess this up, or I don't know how to to, to pronounce kumquat, or I don't know what, what this yeah, is," yeah, yeah. and so credibility disappears. Yes. But if you've had to really focus on writing your speech out loud, then a lot of those things are taken care of in the process, and by the time you actually start practicing, you'll know a lot more of it. You really will. Great advice. Um, Are pauses good? It depends on how long they are. And if you take a break and you leave or you, you know, you can fly to Cincinnati. You know, (laughs) people people speak at their own kind of cadence. Mm -hmm. And that's why practice is so important. You can never over-practice. You cannot over-practice. I totally agree with that. You know, it's impossible. And you need to, you need to really be critical not in a negative way, mm-hmm. but you need to look critically and listen critically to how you're speaking. And it's hard mm-hmm. because we don't want to hear ourselves. We think, wah, 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 wah. that can't possibly be me, but it is. <laughs> yes. Right? Right. So you have to disengage that part of yourself that's going to judge 
and listen to how many so's you say. I did. But you did. See, but yeah. that is the yeah, point, right? And now you never say it. I don't. You don't. Because you, you corrected it. Mm-hmm. And you had to listen to yourself to make that happen. Yeah. And you have to watch yourself. You have to watch yourself. You've got to watch yourself. Because we do all kinds of things physically right. by habit. Uh, women especially will, the, this is called an effect display or a nonverbal ah. language. So they'll, they'll twist their hair or yes. do all these things to, yes. to release tension or to, to somehow feel more comfortable. It really, just it, it's just a form of petting themselves, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Yeah. to make themselves feel better. So but funny. when you see that over and over again, it can look very distracting, and it can send the message that this person isn't very confident. That's, ooh, I like, I, that's, that's, and women, you know, we do talk, we have a whole section on men and women in the yeah. book as well, and what we caution about for women, especially when they're giving speeches. Men, too. Yeah, we know we got some of them. Some of us have, we have long hair, too. I've had long hair. And I've done things with it or just kind of touched it for certain reasons. Well, yes, and it's those things that we do throughout the day. But it's, again, making your body work for you instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. And it is about control, and it is about awareness. Did this book for you, because you 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 co-wrote it and and, and you're touring it. You're you're all all over the place. I see you promoting this book everywhere. What have you learned about public speaking that you may have not really, that you're taking away as you, with this book? Yeah, like I said, I learned a ton about the psychology, which mm-hmm. was really eye-opening for me and allowed me to communicate better and more efficiently with my students because it gives, it gives an out. It says it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. And if you had problems before, it's still not your fault. Mm-hmm. And what I've also learned is that people are can be fearless and are willing to engage with this book and willing to learn something and possibly get up and speak out loud to make themselves better, to improve their lives. And that's what I've been learning as I travel all around. People are are saying, well, you know, I kind of flunked out of public speaking or I've avoided public speaking in my career. And now I know, wait, it's not my fault. A lot of people are scared to speak in public. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it. Nerves are natural. Yes. Right? Expect the expected. Mm-hmm. The audience is not your enemy. Mm-hmm. And write your speech to be said, not to be read. These small things then give you a template to move forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, it. that's how we'll basically end this conversation. That, that's, I mean, that's so good. You wrapped it up for me in a bow. <laughs> love that. This book, I mean, you guys, this book is so good. Scare Speechless. Please, folks, get it. Get it, get it, get it. If you want to public speak. And like I said, that's good lessons about life period in there. I think it, it, it can translate to other things, too. I hope so. And I appreciate being on the show. Thank you so much for that. Now, where can folks find you? On where can they media? find me? Uh, they can, they can find me at Real Steve Roar on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. You can just search for me there. Just Google him. Just you can Google me. <laughs> hey, right? It'll come up. It'll come up. And also and, on my pages, too. You're there, too. So. And you can find the book everywhere. Yeah. Fine books are sold, James. Fine Lager. books are sold. That's, That's right. right, kids. I, I love it. This is, this book is this was great. I'm glad, I'm glad I read it. And I, I actually gave me another copy I'm going to give to somebody, actually, who's having Yeah, problems. let's give away a couple of, yeah. of copies. There, Because my, my friend was like, I, I, I want to speak, and I really want to do it. I'm like, I got a book for you. I will say this. Anybody can do this. Mm-hmm. I have seen the most scared, speechless students you'd ever meet, and you think, how is this possible? They can't, even, they can't even stand up. Yeah. They can't even stand up. 
But once they, once they find out that it's okay, mm-hmm. and once they find out they can make mistakes, and you should never be perfect, yeah. and nerves are good, yeah. they're surprising things happen. And that has been really the joy of teaching public speaking, to see people mm-hmm. blossom and realize their full potential. That's inspiring. I love, I love watching new speakers rise yeah. and rise and rise. Yeah. I love it. I love it. You're doing great work. You're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you, Steve Rohr. You guys, you can follow us. A Book Circle Online is on Twitter at Book Circle On. So that's the Twitter handle. And also we're on YouTube and iTunes. And you can go to bookcircleonline.com, of course, and you'll find us there. You can find me at James Lott Jr. all over the place. And I will be doing some more Book Circle Online interviews coming up uh, within the next couple of months. So make sure you check those out. Thank you so much for watching us. And I'll see you next time. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.